Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Noah's Ark. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. First, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so I think most people have heard some version of this Noah and the Ark story, and partly because I have been singing Ned Flanders, <laughs> and God told Noah there's going to be a floody floody in my head since we started talking about doing this. <laughs> but it also shows up as just a big flood for many other cultures in many other religions. I'm fairly sure. Yep. Flood stories are common. Sure. So let's talk about what that story is, just in case somebody does not know. Totally. And I think we also hear this a lot because it's a common, not just the children's song, you know, the floody, floody, not just that song, but it's also used a lot for like Christian nurseries. Oh, yes. Right. And I don't know why my beloved mother, whom I adore, caught on that maybe this would be a fun thing. So I own like three or four different arcs. Really? Two of them are wooden and two of them are like little stuffed animals. And it's fun with kids, right? Because you've got multiple little animals to play with. And I have a Christmas ornament that's a Noah's Ark and... I have a wall hanging that's really beautiful that she made that's a Noah's Ark themed wall hanging with beading and stuff. So it's one of those that I think because the imagery is strong of the animals two by two, that it goes out into the culture even beyond Christianity or the Hebrew scriptures and the people of Jewish descent because it's image rich. Yeah, it is. And so it sticks with us. Right, and is a popular kind of story. I think flood stories are common across all cultures, but we are going to specifically hone in then on Noah's Ark. So the common kind of retelling of it that you're going to hear in a Sunday school song or you're going to hear, you know, shorthand in a children's book, there are lots of little cardboard books, is that God creates the world. And this is coming out of the book of Genesis. So mm -hmm. this world is Testament. before Moses. This is before, like last week we talked to Moses, this week we're talking Noah and the flood. So this is before any of that happens. God has created the world and people got kicked out of the garden, had babies, had lots of people on the earth. They turned into jerkheads. God got real angry at them all for being idiots and mean to each other and said, that's it. We're, get, we're doing a do-over. Wow. A mulligan, huh? It's a mulligan. We're going to start over. So... Noah, you are upstanding, and so please build me a ship, build a great big ship, and get two of every animal, and put them on the ship, and it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and then you're going to get out of the ship, everybody is like going to be dead, it's going to be a, a, a do-over, and you can repopulate the earth. I'm fascinated by this only because it has always stopped me short. That if you're just going to do it all over again, go from the start, right? Don't shortcut <laughs> it. Don't give somebody a buy and say, well, I don't really want to remake all the animals. They seem to be fine. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, go big. Go big or go home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Okay, so two by two, big old ship. 
Noah loads them in. They're in the ark together. The storm comes, 40 days and 40 nights. And then there's the whole section of the story that we hear where the bird is sent out into the air and comes back exhausted. And then the bird is sent out and brings back an olive branch. And then the bird is sent out and doesn't return. And so they know that it's time to go out and repopulate the earth. And they repopulate the earth. And God looks down and says, wow, I'm really grateful for you. And I will never destroy the entire world again. Here's a rainbow. That is a sign of my covenant, my promise, that I will never destroy everything and everyone again. End story. Mm-hmm. So that's the story that we normally hear, right? And you get in the board books, you get cute little pictures of two little lions and two little elephants. and I mean, it's adorable. And yet the practical part of me just can't with any of it. Uh-huh. It's so hard. It's very very hard so where do you start with something like this because i'm assuming it does get put in the lectionary it's got to it is in the lectionary but it's like the rainbow section okay right the parts and the pieces that we actually skip on this one last week we talked about some of the people who are skipped in a lot of the retelling what is skipped is it's noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives so we have eight people who are actually involved in this. It's Noah and his entire household. Sure. And they're actually told to bring seven pairs of the clean animals and one pair of the unclean animals into the ark. So there's more there than you would think. And what really gets overlooked is the amount of time this actually takes. Okay. I mean, I've always thought it was just 40 days and 40 nights as a metaphor for it was a really long time. A really long time, right? And oftentimes that is 40 days and 40 nights is exactly that, this metaphor for a long time. And that's how long it's raining. So for folks who are interested in looking this up, where you're going to want to go is you're going to want to go to Genesis chapter 5, starts with verse 32, and then immediately goes into chapter 6. So if you go into this area, if you kind of head on down, you're going to see through chapter six and like eight through 22, you're going to get this whole like, how do you build the ark? And how big is it going to be? And you're going to get a lower and a second and a third deck. And it's going to be an amazing big ship. And I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a promise with you that you will live. So bring in all these animals and have this work. If you're wondering where this piece about seven pairs of clean animals Mm -hmm. and a pair of the animals that are not clean are, that's in chapter seven. So again, this is a much longer story than we normally tell. It actually lasts five chapters. (laughs) Wow. That seems a lot. Right? So they get all this stuff ready and they go in and verse 11 of chapter seven gives us in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month on the 17th day of the month. That is when the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heaven were opened and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Wait a minute. I'd completely forgotten about this whole Noah being hundreds and hundreds of years old, right? That's a lot to process right there. Totally. We kind of skip over that, right? Yeah, we do. 
And I don't think that anyone has ever, to my knowledge, I have not heard people explain like the differences between the amount of aging that people do in the Hebrew scriptures that we have, you know, Noah being 600 years old and we have Abraham and Sarah being over a hundred years old. It just is. It just is. And we don't understand it. And that's okay. That's an amazing leap of faith right there. Right. So here we have the rain falling for 40 days and 40 nights, right? And the waters rise and they cover the earth and everything died on the earth. This is the thing. We skip over the real cost. Chapter 7, verse 21. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all human beings. Everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, human beings and animals and creeping things and birds of the air. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him in the ark. And here's the next piece we skip. And the waters swelled on the earth for 150 days. Oh, we definitely skip that. So not only does a big old flood happen, but we're going to make sure everything's dead by making sure that water is there for an incredibly long time. That's half a year. Wow. Six months. We skip that, right? We go straight from the 40 days and 40 nights of rain straight to like, it was like a couple of weeks before it all went up. No, it was six months in this story. Now, I'll inject a tiny little bit of levity here, just because this is a heavy topic when we actually dig into the story of Noah's Ark and say that in my very first class in seminary, it was an 8 a.m. Hebrew scripture class. We started, of course, with Genesis and we were tired and not real awake. And one way we kept ourselves entertained was to dare each other to try to get the professor to say a specific word in a day. Okay. And so the best one that I remember was someone had the word octopus at the beginning of the class. Uh-huh. And we got to this kind of conversation and they raised their hand and they said, Professor, do you think that the swimming creatures were also wiped out? I mean, would there be an octopus left in the ocean? And the professor said, the octopus in the ocean, you know, and, and went off. And it was just mm-hmm. this huge amount of giggling, right? But there's a whole underwater kind of world, right? And it's not mentioned that those creatures were destroyed. It's everything on land and in the air. It's fascinating to me that it even matters. I guess only because I'm so used to looking at the Bible as a metaphor. Mm. And it should just be basically everything was wiped out. And the only thing that's left is what's on the ark. I mean, I guess I never questioned it is my point. Yeah. Well, if we think about the major floods that come, tsunamis, flooding, those kinds of pieces, it is the creatures on land and in air that pay the price of it, right? And when fresh water is infused with salt water, that would cause major problems, right? Those kinds of pieces. But it's the things dwelling on land and above feel they're going to bear the brunt of it. There we go. So here we have this ark 
floating on this flooded world for six months with eight people, all family, all related to one another. I got to be honest. It sounded more and more like I'd want to be on the land. That's, <laughs> that's the other part of the story that's always gotten to me. I don't want to be on the ark with all of those animals for that long. Right? That sounds terrible. I don't even want to go on a cruise. And that's like the best case scenario. <laughs> and there was another group that I heard retelling this story once or heard of the retelling of this story once. And I think that it's worth bringing up because I think it's a striking image and haunting and also brings up the complexity of this story of what happens when Noah and his family and these animals are the only ones on this ark as the rain begins to fall? Are people laughing at him that he's built this ginormous thing? What are they doing? And what happens when the waters begin and people come to that boat and ask to get on? Because they're going to come to that boat. Because they're going to come to that boat. And who is Noah and his family that they don't bring them on the board? And the visceral kind of imagery that was given in this was that they were retelling the flood story on an Easter vigil night. This was at Holden Village mm -hmm. up in Washington. And one of the ways that they retold the story is they put people outside the chapel and had them pounding on the walls on the outside. Oh, that'll create a memory. Right? And just understanding the huge cost of this and the huge depth of grief in this and I think that it's easy to just be like, and the waters came and the animals went in by two by two and then we get a rainbow. Yeah. Get those and, animals out of the muddy muddy is right. way better than the post-apocalyptic images that you really should be having in your head. And understanding the might and the power and the potential of God's wrath and judgment, right? Because it was the brokenness of our humanity that caused this judgment to come. And so we have this, this incredible apocalyptic image, this incredible destruction of the world and death on mass levels. And this crew, this one family, chapter eight begins with God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters gradually receded from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to abate, until the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. So it again, like this time just keeps passing. The entirety of this story, we end up by the end of the chapter when they are going. Yeah, they still haven't gotten off that boat yet. Mm -mm. No, it's in the 601st year. Oh my goodness. So it's an entire year that this story takes place. But in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and saw that the face of the ground was drying. In the second month, 
On the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. And God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply. So 40 days and 40 nights feels like a really long time. Mm -hmm. That's just the storm. That's the tip of the iceberg. It's just the storm moment. It's not the flood time. And it's not the time that it takes to recover from the flood. And it's certainly not the rebuilding time. No. Well, I mean, just getting all those people and things off, because I'm guessing life is still going on in the year, which means things are being born, right? Yeah. Well, and the question is, if we take this as history, or we take this as metaphor, even if we take it only as metaphor, if we don't think that this literally happened, what are the things that we can remember? What are the things that we can learn from this when we take it away from just the Sunday school lesson? Yeah. Of... What am I supposed to get out of this? Because it has always confounded me. I mean, sure, God's love in the end, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of hoping that if we screw stuff up, it doesn't take a year and a half. I don't know. I'm making a face here that you can't see online, you know, through video saying, well, let's think about this. We're in the midst of the coronavirus. How long does this take? And how long does the flood water actually last? And how long does it actually take for the flood water to dry from the earth and for us to rebuild in a new way? And that's a small thing in comparison. Yeah. Right? It's a global pandemic, but it's not the entire region, the entire world being wiped out. Communities that have experienced these cataclysmic floods where their entire world is destroyed, right? And that may mean that it's an entire region or an entire culture, because remember, this wasn't at a time where there was the internet and fast travel mm -hmm. and all those pieces, right? If an entire region has been decimated by a tsunami, for example, and has been completely wiped out, it's not that the hurricane season storms have come and been there for a month and now they're gone and now everybody can just get right on with their life. Even in modern day world, how long did it take Puerto Rico to recover from Maria? Well, they're still recovering. Exactly. And to imagine that we can speed along through these crises and speed along through and everybody is going to be okay. And well, it's done. It's been 40 days and 40 nights. So it's all over by now. Yeah, get over it. Exactly. Right. That kind of concept doesn't give for the spaciousness of time that it takes to actually have ourselves and our communities and our world recover from these massively traumatic events. And at the end, there is the promise that there is a way through it, right? The rainbow is the promise that there is a way through these kinds of situations. There is life on the other side of massive trauma. There is hope and there is recreation and there is potential for something different and something new and maybe even something better on the other side, and God will still be with us on the other side. But in the midst of it, to try to speed through it, to try to pretend that it's not going to take a year for this to happen, is cruel to ourselves and unfair to the wisdom we have gained from generations of trauma survivors. 
Well, and the other thing that gets missed is we talk about now specifically with the pandemic and with other issues, how to get back to normal instead of perhaps we should look at a new normal and a new way of doing things. If you have the chance to rebuild, why wouldn't you improve upon it instead of just going back to what it was? Yeah. How do you do this in a way that is moving forward Mm -hmm. and not holding you back? Yeah. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question, and I'm going to lighten it up a little. All right. You have to have taught this to kids at some point. Do you have a favorite way that you like to teach this story? I confess the last time I taught this story, I think I used Rainbow Dash (laughs) from My Little Pony. That's fabulous. Because in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic which was very popular at the time with the kids and in my life. Mm -hmm. Rainbow Dash, her quality in the friendship group is loyalty and that she will remain loyal to her friends and to her community. She's headstrong and she's brash and she's really full of herself sometimes. She has amazing confidence that can kind of cut both ways. She's really, really cool, super cool, extra cool kind of a character. And she is always loyal. And so the kids understood that concept of loyalty because of Rainbow Dash. And so I pulled that out to say, God gave us the rainbow to promise God would always be loyal, would always be there for us and would always show up that God's love doesn't go away from us ever. So in the same way that you understand Rainbow Dash is loyal to her friends, God is loyal to us and will always be present with us. So that was what I did with that. Because again, the lectionary gives us the rainbow part. Sure. And that's what I played with. (laughs) I love it. I think it's fabulous. (laughs) Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Noah and the Ark. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. If you have a question or a comment or a favorite picture of a favorite arc, please feel free to be in touch with us. You can share it with us on Facebook or email us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>